Have you always wanted to become the king of your backyard or compete in the pro circuit, but don't know where to start? Fire up your pit and join me, barbecue fanatic and newbie competitor on the pro circuit, as I share tips, tricks, timelines, and techniques. Plus, I'll share some of our sauce and rub recipes all in under 30 minutes so you can start taking action on your barbecue dreams. I'm excited to have you join us as I adventure unafraid into the world of competitive barbecue. My name is Kurt, and this is Barbecue for News. All right, welcome into today's show. I am Kurt, your host of the, of the show, and we are joined today by Randall Bowman with Deep South Smokers. They are located in Cumming, Georgia. Randall, thanks for joining us on the show. Yeah, no, I'm happy to join you. It's a pleasure. Awesome, awesome. So let's talk about the journey into competitive barbecue. So you've been competing for a while now. You you, you started a smoker company years ago. Um, so I'm sure that there's this is an interesting story about your journey into all of this. So take us back. How did this all start? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, barbecue has been part of my life forever anyway, from uh, family gatherings on Sundays. Uh, growing up in the South, Sunday dinner was always kind of a tradition anyway for uh, many generations gathering and in-laws and cousins and second cousins and uh, you know a, a whole gaggle of folks gathering on Sundays you know pigs in the ground on Fourth uh, of July and Memorial Day weekends and uh, smokehouses to, to cure your own bacon and, and ham and things like that my father actually grew up he's a on a fifth generation farm in North Georgia so all that history of you know canning and smokehouse and all that kind of stuff has, has been part of my life forever. We cooked our first contest in, I want to say 1998 uh, was the first contest we cooked. Uh, it was a non-sanctioned little local thing. Uh, we ventured into sanctioned stuff in about 2003 uh, is when we kind of got more serious uh, about competing. We got to the point of competing where we were cooking 20, 25 weekends a year. Uh, that's slowed down a lot over the last uh, couple of years as, as, you know, kids have grown and life gets in the way and, and, you know, with, with business and all we've, we've dealt with in the world the last couple of years has, has, has made it interesting at least, but, uh, we'll probably cook six or seven times this year. We kind of a little more selective now. We, we choose destinations that we haven't been to that we want to go to or, contests that we've always supported, whether we've sponsored them or we do a lot of stuff with Kids Q. I do a lot of sponsorship of Kids Q because I really believe that next generation is, it's just, it's just one, it's, it's marketing for us, but I, I can't um, even begin to express how great it is to see, you know, a five, six, seven-year-old grilling a hamburger or hot dog or, or something. And then you get an email a couple of years later that they're still using the grill you gave them. And, you know, that they've, they've developed this passion for cooking. Cause to me that that's really the coolest thing in the world. And of course, you know, I, my kids, both my boys grew up in barbecue uh, and our best friends, uh, my wife and I's best friends are, are barbecue folks. So. I love that. Well, I hope my, my two boys will follow a similar path. I, they've, they've shown a lot of interest lately. Switching gears though, you touched on the business side of things. And for our listeners, you know, take a moment to check out Randall's website. That's deepsouthsmokers.com. So as Randall talked about, he got his start competing, but then kind of shifted things a little bit and Deep South Smokers was born. So let's chat about that. Let's camp out on that for a bit. What was the journey like there? 
Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I, I was very fortunate early on in life to be fairly successful and got in a position where I kind of worked when I wanted to and was able to do things I wanted to and not have to not have to go do a nine to five and, you know, make sure that paycheck was there every Friday. And, you know, we we started doing food vending and events and catering and just kind of dabbling in that along with competing. I really, I looked at Jamie Gear and Jambo Pitts and, and always admired the craftsmanship and thought, man, I, I don't understand why other niches and other lines of, of cookers like Gravity Feds, nobody's doing that type of quality. I, it was shocking to me that that happened. And I, I kind of saw a market for that. So we, we built a few and did some R&D and some other things and cooked on them ourselves. And then, you know, if somebody wanted one and a family member wanted one, it just kind of grew from there. The first person outside of us that cooked on a, in contest, in competition barbecue was in 2012. And that was the very first cooker we let another team use. And they, out of the gate, scored a 704 and granted the first contest they cooked on it. Uh, and it just kind of grew from there. I mean, you know, you, you can't ask for much more than that. Um, right. From, from a team anyway. That's that, And back, you know, back in 2012, 700s were not nearly as common as they are now. Not that they're super common, but, you know, a, a 655 or a 660 could grant a, a KCBS contest, you know, back in 2012. And and now you've got to be in that 690, 695, 700 range to, to even be in the ballpark. Yeah, and for our listeners, just to give you some context there, so what Randall's referring to is, you know, in the KCBS and the Kansas City Barbecue Society world, 700 is the, the pinnacle, if you will. That's the that's the summit, you know, that you want to reach uh, as a competitive barbecue cooker. You know, it's interesting to hear that, you know, you, you've got that entrepreneurial spirit, it sounds like. You took, you know, you looked at what was out there. You looked at another company that you felt like was building quality products, and you said, you know what? I think we can we can build our own products to fit the standard that we want. So I think that's really, really neat to hear that. And you also yeah. mentioned an, another phrase too, which is gravity feed or gravity fed. And again, for our listeners, we've talked about this several times on the show. And, and you know, I was connected to Randall because I bought a Deep South smoker. Uh, I'm, a, I'm the third owner of it. And so I can tell you how great they cook because I, I cooked some some brisket on there this past weekend, actually, for the long holiday weekend. So, you know, shifting gears back to the competition space, though, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, years ago, it was very rare to see 700s. Now you're seeing them quite frequently. What's caused that shift in your mind? Well, I, I think there's a lot of variables to it. But, but I'll be honest, back then, too, there was not a lot of information there were only a few cooks that taught classes and that was a, even a rarity. I, you know, Mike Davis taught some classes uh, with a lot of bowl and Rod Gray was teaching some classes back then. Bubba Latimer with Bubba Q taught a few classes, but it was not a common thing to have classes like we do now. And of course, you know, the, the age of technology, I mean, as much as I hate to say it, a, a guy has such a jump start just going on YouTube and, you know, Googling, competition pork butt or how to trim competition chicken or or those things there's so much information out there because you know we didn't really even have backyard contests when I started it was kind of you know you just jump in with both feet and try your best and, and see where it goes but I will say you know the the barbecue family too was always great because as much as you want to hear your own name called in a contest it's also great to hear your buddy's name called and we would share recipes and, and trade secrets back and forth and 
Thursday night around the fire pit was always the, you know, the big fish stories and the sharing of information that, you know, we all just wanted to succeed and, and, and enjoy the hobby together. Mm-hmm. And, and I will tell you, it's, uh, it, to me, the information out there too is, is not even on the competition side, but the information that's available for the homeowner, for the guy who just wants to cook Memorial Day weekend for his family the, and the products available, the quality of the products out there now, because there, there were no injections, there were no, you know, commercially produced injections. And now, I mean, you've got and I can probably name 10 right now that people right. are winning contests successfully with every weekend. Uh, same thing with sauces and rubs and, and you know, gadgets and, and, and you know, power draft control devices didn't exist uh, back then. You were manually controlling every pit you did or, you know, uh, hair blowers and hair dryers uh, <laughs> and leaf blowers, whatever else you could, you know, come up with that would help you. You, you would try to find some, some trick to get you over the top. Right. You touched on a great point, and that is the information age that we are in. YouTube, Google, there's so many different ways that you can at least get your get a basic understanding. Of course, you still have to go out there in the real world and execute. And you yeah. know, they always I've heard this so many times. I've only cooked 12 or 13 professional competitions, but I've heard it so many times that really you, you win or you lose in the last 10 or 15 minutes prior to turn in. That's what I keep hearing yep. over and over and over again. Yep. So it sounds like you, you're in agreement with that. Oh yes, yeah, so that, that last ten or fifteen minutes is is where is where it's made uh, or broken. Um, I mean, I, I've I've seen some really awful cooks really get saved in the last 10, 15 minutes, and I've seen some really good cooks get really messed up in the last ten or fifteen minutes. Sure. So yeah, it, it definitely is. I think there's a lot of ways to get from A to B. But it's that it's that wrapping up bead before you turn in competition barbecue that the, the finishing few minutes is what makes the big difference. That's right. So in the in the smoker world, you know, I'm guessing 20 years ago, there wasn't as many options as there are now. Just like you talked about, there wasn't any injections. There weren't as many sauces and rubs, et cetera. So it can be overwhelming. And, you know, if I'm looking at this just as, as someone that wants to whether, whether I want to get into competition or whether I just want to up my game at the house, from your point of view, as I'm, as I'm going down this path, what are some of those key variables, key questions that I need to be asking myself when I'm evaluating, all right, am I going with a gravity feed? Am I going with an offset? Am I going with a pellet grill? What, what are some of those things you think they should be asking themselves? Well, you know, I, I'll tell you, I think that, that every style of cooker is good. I'm not going to tell you that one's better than the other. Um, You know, I listened to Kerry Chastain's interview with you. I think it was last Mm -hmm. week. And he is dead spot on when he says, it doesn't matter what you cook on. You have to learn the cooker. Um, And I've seen it so many times over the years where somebody will win a a really big contest. And all of a sudden, that's the smoker everybody wants to buy. And and it's like, I think that's the secret. There is no magic pill. If you look at really, really good cooks, uh, I guarantee you they could cook on just about any cooker and be successful because they know how to cook. Melissa Cookson is a prime example. She took two deep south smokers for the very first time, unseasoned, brand new, never had cooked on one to Memphis in May and cooked whole hog. Uh, wow. She finished sixth overall and I think was four hundredths of a point from making finals. You know, her, her and her husband, Pete, know how to cook. You know, Heath Riles, the same way. He can take a brand new cooker, go to a contest and cook because he knows he knows what to look for and knows how to come, overcome variables. 
I think when you're looking for a cooker, you have to ask yourself of what features you're looking for. Mm -hmm. uh, if you, you look in the offset world, you've got reverse flows and you've got direct flows and you've got insulated fireboxes, non-insulated fireboxes, and they're all good. They're just different. You know, reverse flow is going to take a little more wood because you've got to get the BTUs to make the circle and come back. Um, insulated firebox is going to take a little less wood than a direct flow offset. Um, but you're still feeding wood every 30 or 45 minutes. It's just whether you're feeding one stick or 10 sticks. Gravity feds are the same way. The more insulation, the thicker the steel, the, the more efficient they're going to be. Mm -hmm. Now, there's also variables in that because sometimes burning more gets you more smoke flavor. You, you got to learn the tricks with every unit uh, to, to get what you want. You know, pellet cookers are great for what they are. Like I said, everything's just different. Um, you know, drums. Drums are, 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 are huge right now. There's some really successful guys out there cooking on drums. And, and you know, we, we've seen this in the years I've been doing this where drums will get popular for a few years and then water cookers will get popular for a few years and gravity feds get really popular and then offsets. And it just kind of goes in waves. And like I said, they're all good. Um, you just have to learn how to cook. And unfortunately, in, in a contest, we're not necessarily cooking for what you like or what I like. We're cooking for what scores well. This is going to sound a little brutal, but I'm not a big fan of what we turn in for contest cooking anyway. Um, <laughs> right. I think the chicken is way too sweet. I think the ribs are way too sweet. I think the brisket is is just false flavor. I don't think it's – I'll tell you a story. I was in Florida probably 10, 12 years ago with Bubba Latimer, and we were – cooking next to some young fraternity guys from Texas. And they were, I mean, they were hyped. They were so hyped and so excited. And they wanted us to sample their brisket. And man, it was great. I mean, I would eat that all day long. And, and, and Bubba looked at him and said, it's not going to score worth crap. And they said, well, what do you mean? And he said, because this is not what they want. And they were towards the bottom of the list. But I, after I talked to him, I said, don't get discouraged because I'm telling you, it was great. And, you know, for the, for, Cooking for your friends and cooking on the, it's, I mean, I'd eat that all day long, but it's not what they're looking for. And, and those flavor profiles of what judges looking for have changed over time. I mean, as much as I also don't really like to say it, there's, you know, one extremely popular sauce out there that was kind of the only go-to sauce for many years. Mm -hmm. We used to joke mm -hmm. that I bet, I bet every trailer on the contest site has at least one jar of that in their trailer. And so many of them, so many of the sauces that have come out since then, just are very close mimic copies of, of, of that sauce, but that's what judges score. They score it well. So that's what gets used. I'd love to see a, you know, a, a mustard sauce score well or a, a white sauce score well, but it just, you know, you, you may get a one judge that loves it, but the other five are going to ding you. And it really, it sounds like, you know, I, I've never been to judge training. It, it almost sounds like that is maybe, you know, baked into the training, so to speak, that, you know, you look for the sweet, heat, savory type of thing. Uh, again, I, I'm ignorant on that particular issue because I've never been a judge training, but that's just the gist I get. I think, I, I don't know that, I, I've been to a few judge training classes. I don't know that it, it's it's specifically trained that way, but when when you look at John Q. Public and the average person, sweet is an appealing flavor and savory. Savory, because the other thing too, it is good with a little bit of heat on the back end, but if it's too much, you can turn people off because the one of the problems with barbecue judging, no matter what the sanctioning body is, it's subjective because you cannot teach a person what is the right level of spice because spicy to me may be sweet to you, 
uh, and vice versa. So you, you can't teach. You, I mean, it's just impossible to teach some of that. And, and it, it's, it's heartbreaking to me to see people go on the internet and bash judges that, you know, I've turned in the best food and I hit this table of death and all these other things. And the problem is it's subjective and you have to go into that knowing that your flavor profile may be great to your taste buds, but that doesn't mean it is to all six of those people on the table. If it's a KCBS sanctioning body or five, if it's a WFC or depending on the sanctioning body. So it just, it, it varies. Um, and, you know, sometimes it, it varies where you go in the country. Um, some people will change things and some people won't um, depending on where they're cooking. But, you know, good food is good food. And the problem is you got to find that middle of the road that's not, you know, people want to talk about wow factor when it comes to competition barbecue. And that's great if you want to score really well one out of 10 contests because you'll hit that table that loves it and it's wow. But these guys that are consistent have found this flavor profile that is pleasing to the masses and judges. And that's why they can go from California to Florida and score well. You know, they cook it till it's tender until it's done and the flavors are not overpowering or underpowering. Right. Not to mention that those folks that are do are that are traveling coast to coast are likely cooking, you know, 35, 40 plus competitions a year. So they're they're getting a lot of practice. Oh yeah. There is a lot to be said about the consistency and the ability to be consistent when you're cooking more. Our our best years were when we were cooking were 20 to 25 weekends a year because it became routine. I mean, I've cooked five or six now, and I'll still have to go back and look at notes and think, now, wait a minute, what I do last time? Because things change through the season, too. So it, it just, it, it, it varies. And unless you're cooking all the time and you're, you're taking it very serious, you have to look at it like it's a hobby. And, and, and you have to look at enjoying the Thursday nights and having the kids out with you and the family and, and camaraderie with friends and, and look at it like that, because if anybody gets into this thinking they're going to become rich and famous cooking ribs in a parking lot, I think they probably ought to reevaluate what they're doing. They're going to be very disappointed. <laughs> We've run a whole bunch of events too. And, and I tell you, I, I used to joke with some of the, the new guys and I'd say the worst thing that can happen is you hear your name called tomorrow. Cause you'll be on your phone looking at trailers and smokers and ordering every gadget you can find. Uh, before before you even get home and it's true and it, it's not necessarily a bad thing it's just funny how this hobby kind of sinks the line in and, and hooks them and reels them right in and you know they get they get knee deep before they realize it well you're you're talking to somebody actually right now that did exactly that so <laughs> so i i definitely know from experience that it, it's a it's a very deep rabbit hole and it's like a lot of things in this world you know it's it's like any other hobby or pastime, there are plenty of groups, plenty of things to buy, plenty of gadgets, accessories, all that fun stuff, you know, but it, I, I love it. I mean, sure. I, I've, and you do, you do as well, clearly. Sure, sure, sure. Well, and, and I'll tell you one of the reasons we really kind of gravitated towards gravity feds was because I was originally a truly low and slow guy. I would put meat on at eight o'clock that evening and then I could go to bed. And I'd get the same amount of sleep at a contest that I do, you know, during the normal week. And, and I still do some things low and slow. And then we do a very kind of variety of, of hot and fast, some other things. But, you know, we play around with stuff all the time. I, I don't cook enough to be consistent. So I play around and try new things almost every time I cook now to enjoy it, have fun and see what works. And we do a lot of playing around with cookers we're building, too, just to see 
overcome different scenarios and, and play around at contest and in a real setting so we can actually know what we're you know what we need to change on units and what works and what doesn't but gravity feds for me were for lack of a better term they're about as dummy proof as you can get light a fire and you can set a power draft control device your your fire management's done you don't have anything else to worry about and then you can worry about flavor profiles and whether you're adding wood at this time or where you're setting sauce and you know when you're spritzing and all those other things because to me I look at guys cooking on exclusively drums. And if you look at a, like a, like a four meat contest, you're running four drums, which is four fires. You're managing four fires, all naturally aspirated. I don't want to work that hard. To me, that's not fun. I, I like to be able to set the power draft control device and walk away and, you know, know that when, when my pork butts hit that 165, 168 range, colors are going to be right and I can wrap them and, and finish them up. That's exactly right. So I'm glad you brought up the drums again, because I wanted to go back to that. And and you mentioned earlier that it is kind of the new trend, I guess, if you will. You know, it's the hot and fast trend. Uh, you talked about earlier how, you know, you have a couple big teams that do really well. And then all of a sudden, everybody wants to have a drum or a water smoker or whatever it may be. Yeah. But now you recently, and I say recently, within the last year or two, recently came out with an answer to the drum in the mailbox, correct? Well, you know, I, I do. I, I, you know, I, I like, I like drums for what they are. I truly do. The, the one thing I didn't like about drums was the capacity and accessibility. So what we did was we built basically a rectangle drum. It's basically based on drum technology, but they've got three racks you, you can a- access easily. There's a door in the front to access the two bottom racks and the top lid to do to the top. It works as a grill or a smoker. You can do low and slow, hot and fast. Um, the racks are 19 by 23, so you've still got some really good capacity. In fact, I'm going to cook a KCBS contest this weekend on one mailbox just to s- show people it can be done. Now, as long as my timelines hit okay, <laughs> that'll right. be, if I have a problem, that may be another issue. <laughs> but uh, I, I do. I love the drums. You know, the drawback to our drum is it's heavier than, you know, a, the, the traditional 55-gallon UDSs, which is, which is what they are. And there's a lot of people making them now. Uh, and I'll give shout out to to Tim Shear with Gateway Drums. Uh, he also owns a Blues Hog, but he, you know, when he when he really came out and started cooking with his his brand of Gateway Drums and started being successful, it knocked competition barbecue on its rear end. A lot of people saw him, and you know, he 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 won Memphis in May on a you know morphed giant you know drum basically this year cooking whole hog, which you know nobody ever cooked whole hog hot and fast. That's that's crazy. Who would do that? Well. Right. You know, they, and I think it's eight or nine hours. So, I mean, that's, it's crazy, but it obviously works. So, and to me, that just shows there is no, you have to do A, B, and C, and that's the only way you can do it. Guys like that are what makes this industry grow because you know what, you can go low and slow, you can go hot and fast, you can go both and in between and, and all the above, and you can do it on any style cooker. And, and like we said earlier, there's pros and cons to every style cooker. Sure. Uh, you know, cooking hot and fast, your window of error is a whole lot smaller. You got to be much careful, much more careful uh, with things uh, because you can overcook real quick. Right. That's that's exactly right. And and that's something that I, I've had to learn the hard way. I heard I heard a great quote recently, which went something like to the to the effect of you learn how to cook barbecue by making bad barbecue. <laughs> so. I agree. I agree. The, yeah. the mistakes you make are where you learn. That's true. So where do you see 
the competition barbecue world, the, you know, the smoker world, all things barbecue, where do you see this going, right? We talked about the transition, you know, from the late nineties. So we talked about this transition that you saw over the last 20 years or so, just in your opinion, what do you see happening over the next 10, 15 years in, in the competition world? Well, you know, I, I, I have kind of mixed views on competition. I think, I think we're, I think we've seen kind of a downturn in some competitions like here in Georgia alone. I want to say it was probably 2011, 2012, 13, somewhere in that range. We had probably 25 KCBS contests in Georgia. Wow. Um, And I think we'll have eight, nine this year, uh, maybe 10 at most. And and that, that was pre the pre pandemic stuff is things were starting to go down. But you know, when we had barbecue pit masters uh, air on TV, that got a lot of, of general public interested but it you know we we've kind of been our own worst enemy when it came to competition barbecue because everybody wants to do the best they can so if you can afford to buy a gold wagyu brisket you're gonna buy a gold wagyu brisket if you can afford you know heritage breed pork you're gonna get heritage breed pork you know an air chilled organic chicken and and all the other things that come along with it comes with a price tag and unfortunately, all those things are going uh, much higher now than ever. And, and now with fuel going where it is, too, I, I think that competition barbecue for the rest of this year is probably going to be a little slim. But at the same time, to me, the big part of barbecue is what you do at home. Even these competition guys that are going to take a break because it's too expensive, they're still going to cook at home. You know, maybe not by the Wagyu brisket. They're going to go to a wholesale club and buy Choice or a Prime and, and cook, which there's nothing wrong with. I mean, I, we cook Choice and Prime at home all the time. Right. Um, and to me, that traditional barbecue is is that crappy cheap cut of meat uh, and turn it into something that's a delicacy. Turn it into a, a work of art. And I love what you said about bringing the family together, breaking bread together around the table uh, that's what's to me, that's what that's one of the best things about barbecue, not just competition, but just barbecue in general is it has that, you know, when I think of barbecue, I think of people coming together, building those relationships, you know, actually talking to one another, not on their phone, you know, not on not on a social media app or something like that. That's what I love about it. And and then going to the contest, like you said earlier, you know, it's that big barbecue family, you know, you're cheering for the, the guy next to you. You want to see them do well. I mean, I, I just think it's, it's, it's a really, really cool atmosphere. I used to joke that competition barbecue was the only place you could see a grown man hug each other on Thursday when they just saw each other Sunday, <laughs> uh, which is, uh, it, it's very true. I mean, uh, and like I said earlier too, you know, my wife and I, our best friends are, are, you know, we met in barbecue. Um, our kids grew up together. I mean, they're, you know, they're, you know, grown and driving and doing their own stuff now, but they, you know, at, at three and four years old, they were out scavenging around contest sites, you know, with each other. So it's, uh, it's been an incredible experience to be part of. And, and I hope that that continues for many generations, which, like I said earlier, also, that's one of the reasons we do the kids cube, because I see what it did for my kids being involved. I hope that the next generations can be part of that. I, I love what, um, the high school barbecue associations that are, that are kicking off. There's three or four of them in various parts of the country. You know, Tom Tilly here in Georgia has done a, uh, he's been cooking. He's had a high school team for years. Um, really honestly, before most of these high school barbecue associations started, Tom had, you know, a barbecue club at Tallulah Falls school. 
Um, and he's done some great jobs with kids, teaching them something new and, and hopefully a skill set they can take home and, and grow as they become parents and, and have kids and grandkids and everything else. That's something they can they can keep handing down generation to generation. And and the love and passion that, that comes with, as you said, breaking bread as a family is, I mean, how many, how many great memories does anybody have about a Christmas meal together or Thanksgiving meal together or Fourth of July cookouts or I mean, I, I bet most people, if they look back at memories growing up, it was around some kind of gathering that involved food or, or, or something that pertained to that where a meal was served. You know, how many business deals are done around a meal? It's ingrained in our in our human nature. Amen to that. I, I love it. Um, I, I wish I didn't love barbecue so much. My, my waist might be a little smaller, um, but it is what it is. You take the good with the bad. And again, for our listeners, <laughs> chatting with with Randall Bowman with Deep South Smokers. Take some time, check out his website, deepsouthsmokers.com. They also are on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. I recently saw you guys do some videos on TikTok, so check them out there. So as we wind down, Randall, any parting words of wisdom for our listeners from your side of the table? You know, I honestly wouldn't... I, I will kind of reiterate what Carrie said last week, and that is when you, when you want to get into barbecue learn what you're cooking. Them. It doesn't matter if you've got a $10,000 smoker or a $20 smoker that you built yourself. Hmm. Uh, you learn how it works and how it operates. You can put out good product and enjoy it. Have fun with it. You know, don't, don't be afraid. If, if you're going into the contest world, don't be afraid to ask questions to people because you'll find that they'll be pretty open with you and, and, and honest and help steer you in the right direction. But ask questions. I mean, communication to me is the key at everything anyway. So I, I look back at when we were starting and the friendships we made, and I, I probably would have quit after, you know, one or two contests being discouraged if I hadn't had some help and a, a pat on the back and some guidance. Because, you know, it is, it's different. I mean, it, it's different than cooking, you know, a pork butt at home for pulled pork sandwiches. What you're, what you're cooking in a contest is a, is a different animal. So uh, it's good to talk to those guys that have been around and that are experienced. I mean, I, I go to contests now and I feel like I'm the oldest guy there because half of the teams I don't recognize anymore. And, uh, you know, and, and they're cooking 40 and 50 weekends a year. And it's like, I, I don't know half of their names now because I've just not been around like they are. That's right. That's a powerful way to end the show. Uh, Randall, thanks again for the time. Enjoy the conversation, sir. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Barbecue for Newbies. Make sure you share this episode with a buddy who's looking to get into barbecue. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And while you're at it, leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Talk to you next time.